Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a warm welcome to you from us here at AusBiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, plus a stock of the day. Two expert guests here with me in studio all over the course of an hour. And it is the 12th of January, 2023. So what we've done today is essentially put together a bit of a winner's special. So 10 stocks which performed really well in 2022 so how will they perform in 2023? And I think this is an interesting one because some of these conversations might be about taking some profit. So that would be a sell, right? We've got to know when and how to sell. So that is the theme for today's episode. And we've uh, lined up two great guests for you as well. We've got Ben Clark from TMS Capital here with us and Mark Gardner from Macro Hello. Capital. Guys, welcome. Hi, May we talk about something other than Bellinger? Yeah, probably. Okay, good. So there's a big theme here as well at AusBiz right now about, uh, yeah, what's going on up north. Anyhow, let's get to the list of companies that we'll be talking about today. So you'll know, you'll know these companies. Uh, no surprises here if we're thinking about ones that uh, outperformed in 2022. Whitehaven Coal, Woodside Energy, Worley, ComputerShare, and Qantas. But the stock of the day today is MA Financial, and here's why. It was out with an update. Actually, you could say it's a warning. It now expects underlying earnings to lift between 28 and 30% on last year. Now, previously, it was forecasting lift of between 30 and 40%. So why the revision? It says that earnings per share has been impacted by the timing of multiple corporate advisory transactions closing, but it did also flag market volatility as impacting exec revenue. Still, it says that momentum was positive to end FY22, and it is talking up inflows, funds under management, with assets under management up by 13% as of the end of December. So let's start with you, Ben Clark, for the stock of the day, because Look, it is a profit warning, but not all is lost. I mean, they're no. still looking to see their earnings per share grow significantly. Yeah. Very diversified uh, financial. Yeah. Um, are the conditions right for it, though, going forward? Well, they have. I mean, I think this group's done an amazing, um, amazing year where they've grown their earnings 28% in a year where pretty much every single asset class fell. So that's that's a big tick. Um, I, you know, yeah, it's probably a profit warning, but you know, if I was seeing yeah. these sort of numbers, I'd be pretty happy, and um, particularly given the environment. And also, the share price is well off where it was 12 months ago. You know, so um, it was well in. I think it was getting close to $10. There you go. It was close to $10. Market has largely factors, factored this in. The big thing for this company's got great management. Andrew Pridham's the chairman and the largest shareholder. I think he's got about half a billion dollars personally in this in this business um, uh, the guys the two guys running the business you know great pedigree and um, I, I, I think this is a buying opportunity personally in part because of the valuation because of valuation because I to me this looks like an overreaction it, it's quite an illiquid stock because it's so tightly held 
The only thing I would flag is that the government is talking about making some big changes to this um, It's the special, visa, the, it's yeah. the special, um, what's it called, Investor the special investment visa. visa. Yeah, yeah, so people, um, you know, if you're overseas, you could get a visa if you invested $5 million plus in the country. And so MA, significant investor visa, significant that's just what reminded visa. me. Yeah, so um, MA Financial really um, owned this market and a significant part of their thumb is that market. So changes in 2023 could have an impact on the business you want to watch that closely but i think for now to me it's a buy yeah well i mean uh ubs has said that it reckons that that change to the visa program is factored into its price already it's also got finsure i think it's called so a mortgage yeah. broking platform sort of the fintechy side of the business is this a diversified financial that would be good to buy and hold for 2023 yeah i think i i sort of would echo ben's comments really they're um I think most of the bad news is priced in. I think this movement today is fairly knee-jerk um, and more than likely a bit of a buying opportunity. Um, they're, yeah, they're, I think they grew on that Finshore 2,600-odd um, new brokers. So everything's going in the right direction for the business. I mean, you, and I mean to call it a downgrade, I would agree, is, is a, probably a bit of an overstatement, realistically. It's, it was their own expectations. Yes, they've missed, but I mean, who didn't miss last year, um, yeah. particularly sort of in this space? So I, I would say it's not the worst result in the world at all. Um, the analysts have got consensus price target like around $11 or ten fifty or something like that. So. You know, if you're willing to stick with it over a period of time, I think things will normalise over the next 12 to 18 months, um, and it probably gets, it probably continues to go up. And it's always good to have, you know, someone running the business that's got a significant amount of skin in the game as well. Founder-led businesses tend to tend to outperform. So, yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think it. Um, you could. Yeah, I mean, you could start accumulating um, if you're unsure about it, but yeah, I'd be fairly happy to buy this. And but you just be wary that you know we're if we have any sort of downside movement in the market, it's probably going to go with it being a, being a bit of a growth sort of end of the market. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe keep some powder dry and, and buy some more on a dip as, on top as well. Okay, well down by 7.7% uh, at this stage of the game, so $4.60. So that is the stock of the day, MA Financial. We're off to a rip-roaring start to buy. So that will be going to the investment committee, which does meet again next month. So let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you. Now, I will say these didn't all come into our email box at once, but we did collate them over Christmas to get this program together for you. Let's start with uh, maybe the poster child or one of them for 2022, Whitehaven Call. This is for Nick. Nick, I hope you're watching. If you already bought this stock and you've been holding it through 2022, congratulations. But what to do now then? This is a really tricky one. It <laughs> really absolutely tricky. is, yeah. Because Whitehaven, on face value, looks like the biggest screaming buy of all time. It, it's trading on two times current year earnings. It's on a yield of 13% fully franked. It's got a massive smack of cash on its balance sheet and no debt. Um, and it's, you know, it's actually got quite well diversified coal. It's not all in thermal and not all, you know, it's got a mix of the various coals. However, um, that's only as good as the coal price holding up. And you know, what you will probably find is if you start to see the coal price normalize, which I think over 2023 at some stage it will do, even if it looks really cheap and even if it's spitting out an incredible dividend, 
the share price will probably follow that. It, that that's often what happens. So if you're in these coal stocks at the moment, New Hope, um, Whitehaven, Yang Coal, etc., you're kind of hoping that this boom can just last for another year or two, because if it does, you're almost going to get half of your capital back in dividends because all of them are just paying out the dividends back to their shareholders. If the party sort of stops in the next few months, you'd be, you know, you're at risk. Um, so I'm going to go a hold and sit on the fence because I've just got no idea. I, as I said, I suspect at some stage this year, the coal price is going to normalise. Um, I just don't know when and I don't know how quickly and I don't know where it's going to normalise too. And that's kind of really what you need to know to know whether this is a buy, a hold or a sell. But why wouldn't you trim some profits if, and I know that I'm making this scenario because yeah. Nick didn't give us a detail, but yep. if you had held for the past year. Well, then I would definitely take at least half of what I had in it as a profit. Yeah. If, but if I was considering, you know, do I buy this today yeah. or do I, you know, I, I, I think because it, you could find if you fast forward to the end of the year that you've got like a 20 to 25 percent dividend, yeah. including franking. Um, and if the share price is still trading around eight dollars, that's been a cracking investment. Mm -hmm. um, that will only happen if the coal price holds up. Uh, most analysts have already got in their numbers that the coal price is going to rapidly normalize. So it's not unexpected that that would happen. But you know, it's like, does that start next week or is it a second half of 2023? Yeah. yeah. All right. And of course, China, the X factor in that. And mm. we're hearing about the thawing of relationships and the yeah. fact that we've got some orders being put through for Australian coal. So I guess in keeping with the theme and of course the program, buy, hold or sell today. Today, uh, for I'm definitely holding an erring on the side of, of buying. Um, I think that coal price, you know, I agree, will probably normalise. But if you have a look at the example of, say, BHP and Fortescue with the iron ore price when it went through that dramatic um, uplift said 18 months ago, um, I mean, look, the iron ore price is down 40% from those highs still, mm. and BHP made a record high mm. yesterday or today even again. Um, so very, I mean, obviously different businesses. Um, they are looking at an expansion in Narrabri. Uh, it's been approved by the New South Wales government. Um, uh, and there could be a legal challenge there, but I can't really see the Queensland and New South Wales governments um, trying to impose some sort of um, super royalties tax and then and, and trying to, you know, profiteer essentially for taxpayers out of this and then be knocking back, you know, the company's ability to um, to expand. And, um, and that would obviously give them even more economies of scale. They've got a $2.2 billion buyback, 25% of the company. Um, and it, they completed a 10% buyback last year. That may slightly affect dividends, and but they've got no debt. Um, I'd be, yeah, I, and I think they're, they're looking at um, earnings per share jumping by 50%, dividend per share jumping by 100%. Mm. In 2024, most analysts have got it at. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think if you're, um, you know, if you've, if you've had it for a year, you may be, you maybe look at... Um, just bringing it back to um, bringing it back to a, the, a proper allocation within the portfolio because it's I think it was up about two hundred and thirty percent last year. So if you allocate it correctly in the, in the initial part, you're going to be way overweight. So I, you probably need to consider it in terms of how you're in how you're placed um, as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, but as an individual stock, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm probably pretty happy to buy it on the on the dip here. It's um, and it's one of the higher quality. I think it's got. 
a lot more metallurgical. Um, China's sort of centralised bargaining with um, with coal may bring the coal prices back down, but I don't think anyone's. There may be a knee jerk dip, um, which is why I think if you've got it, if you've had it for the last. So you year, buy on the dip, is what you're saying. You'd be buying okay. on the dip for sure. If you don't have it at all, I, look, I, th- I think it's worth. You know, I think it's worth at least a nibble because um, I think it's. You know, the longer it says has been said, the longer it stays here. The, the you know the further it's going to grind mm-hmm. higher. Okay, all right. So that is Whitehaven call for you, Nick. Let's get on to the next on the list. And you can't think of 2022 without thinking of energy prices. Quite the story. Woodside has been nominated by Damien WDS. So after you know seeing gains, I don't even have the actual percentage in front of me right now. Um, based on there it is. It's uh, close to 50 percent on largely the war in Ukraine. You've got to say. Um, sadly, uh, does this still have life into it when you think about potential demand destruction in terms of uh, oil? Ben? This is an interesting one because, like, as you said, it had a ripping year last year, but you look at the oil price, it's back to where it was at the start mm. of the year. So, to me, there's been like a real disconnection between the share price and the profitability of the business. Having said that, it's trading on like nine times earnings and a yield of 9% fully franked on consensus numbers. And bear in mind again, when you look at consensus, different analysts have got different... The consensus is only good as the assumptions of what you think they're going to sell the oil and the, the gas for. Woodside's a very capital intensive business, you know, so like, look, it might be changing its spots. The, when you think about BHP and Rio, they had years where they just went up and down and it was because all the profit that was coming out of these great assets that they owned, they were spitting back into other things which they burnt a lot of money on. And you know, there was a point at which they said, right, we're just going to start passing this through to shareholders and we, we're going to give it back. And that was when the re-rating of those companies really commenced, Fortescue probably as well. So I think you know, if Woodside can show some control and maybe take that approach it probably is a buy but i don't trust that they're going to i'm going to say sell because i you know i I think um you sell cyclical stocks on low pe's and you buy them on high pe's as weird as that sounds and um to me like there has been this big gaps opened up for where the share price is versus where the oil price is it's a sell would you be selling woodside I prefer uh, oil, so triple O ETF, um, just purely for the reasons Ben just outlined there. Oil was only up 4% on the year and Woodside's Mm. up 50. Uh, So that is a huge disconnect there. Um, And yeah, I think there's just a premium probably in it at the moment, given that the spin-offs from BHP, um, you know, on average have roughly about a 75% um, share price increase over around about a two year period. So... Um, at the moment, if you if you're bullish, uh, if you're bullish oil, um, I mean, natural gas has come off 65% from its highs as well, um, and so and the 80% of their um, 80% of their contracts are tied to the Brent price. So, you ma- I mean, this thing's 40 outperformed by 40 odd percent. Why would you not just be long, you know, be long oil? Because realistically, it's, it, the oil price is just going to make up the gap overall. So, I think there's too much risk there at the moment. Um, but if you're yeah, if you're long oil, if you're sorry bullish oil, then I think that triple are you bullish? Are you bullish oil? Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, yeah. Okay. these levels I am. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the next on the list. Worley, uh, Worley. This is for Damien. Damien, if you're watching, don't forget this is information. It's not financial advice. Uh, we are talking in the context of buy, holding, and selling 
today though. So Worley, it's got a buy from City outperformed by Macquarie. Morgan Stanley's overweight, UBS is buy, but Credit Suisse is an underperformed. Mark, I'll start with you this time. Yeah, Woolies, um, just with the amount of labour um, issues they've had since COVID and things like that, and now we've got an incredibly tight labour market. It's a big part of their um, expenditure, um, but they are, they're shifting, well, they're one of the pioneers really in shifting into the green infrastructure. So um, about 32-odd percent was the revenue last year, and they, I think they expect to get that beyond 50% at some stage. So. And spending in the back half of this decade will uh, double as it's more sort of widely accepted. So their addressable market effectively on half of their revenue is going to double. So I, I do like this long term. Um, it's, you know, it, it is very, um, it, it is very cyclical, obviously, and their, um, they, their economies of scale are actually improving their um, operating costs. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, again, I think you'll probably get it cheaper at some stage. Um, and yeah, and you probably look to buy it then. But they've, you know, they've got good pipelines. Um, but we are very much at the top of the range here at the moment. And, you know, if uh, that infrastructure spending peel, you know, sort of peels back a little bit, um, with the, you know, with a supposed impending mm-hmm. recession, then I think this, you'll probably get this thing sort of more around the $12 mark or, or, or potentially lower. And, and then, yeah, I, I would rather be buying this when the recession hits and it looks a little bit ugly. And because I think their long-term plans very, um, very good. Yeah, lots of people like, Ben, those long-term plans, the diversification, the greening of the, uh, you know, the, the services that it will be providing or to the services or you know who they will be providing them to but the reality is if we do see some sort of an economic slowdown some of those plans will be put on ice ice or slowed significantly so as again Worley a 2022 story as opposed to 2023 yeah I reckon it is I'm gonna go sell Um, just you know valuations trading on 23 times current earnings that's Mm. expensive for a business of this nature that this is a really tough business. They make really thin margins. I was going to say margins become yeah. an issue as well. Six percent EBITDA <clears throat> margin this year, last mm-hmm. year. You know, it's wafer thin. Having said that, if the six goes to seven, it, a lot of that you know drops to their bottom line profit grows. So that's why uh, management is so important in these businesses. You know, we've seen a lot of companies in this area um, really get into problems with contracts and costs. You know, cost blowouts. So you know, Clough, um, you know, recently went broke working on the Snowy Hydro scheme. I'm not saying, um, you know, Wally at their AGM said that they feel like they're on top of those issues, but they're out there, you know, that there's no doubt about it. But it will, I think, be harder to eke out margins when you've more margin um, upside when you've got um, real cost pressures across the industry. The pipeline should be strong. I think um, state and federal governments have reawakened to the fact that we need um, probably more domestic gas and oil production, um, and they're probably going to remove some of the, you know, the, the the red tape that gets associated with those. But you know, 23 times for a very cyclical business, I, I, I'm going to sell. Got it. Thank you. Let's get on to computer share. This is number four on the list, and I always, uh, Ben, trot out the line that ComputerShare is one of those companies, the tech companies, you know, yeah. counterintuitively, that will do better yeah. in a rising interest rate environment. Completely. We still do have rates rising, yeah. but there's a lot more to the business. So There is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go hold on this one. Um, I, you know, personally, I think bond yields have now topped out, um, and I think 
although you're not going to see bond yields significantly decline, I think the bulk of the gain or the windfall that they've had out of rising interest rates has now been done. They, they earn 800 million US dollars last year in margin income. That's income from investing in bonds. Um, now, they might still earn $800 million next year, but it's probably not going to go to a billion dollars unless bond yields keep ramping up. Um, so I think that kind of story is largely played out. But, you know, cracking result, they, they grew their earnings per share by 90%, um, mm-hmm. and they were guiding for 50% growth, and mm-hmm. then they upgraded it. You're paying 15 times current earnings for the business. That actually pays pretty nice div, 3.5%, fully franked. Uh, so I'll go a hold just because... I think actually operationally they're doing really well. They own some great businesses. Um, you know, it should continue to spit out some really nice earnings over the next few years. But I think that tailwind, that story's played out mm-hmm. now. Okay, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, this is a. I mean, for, I would say it's a hold as well. I don't. I really don't see a hell of a lot more upside in this one, just because I think, that, as Ben said, the the growth story's kind of played out now. And I think this is probably about as as good as it's going to get in, uh, for that growth story. And yeah, it's and it doesn't yield enough realistically to be holding it for the yield. Um, you, you're going to need that growth. Um, I mean, they've got great economies. So why of scale. why hold though? That's um, I look because it, it is a overall. It's still a very good business, um, and I still think there's probably a little bit of this to go um, in terms of um, you know. I, I, I sort of think the Fed will go slightly past um, where they're saying at five percent, so that might cause another uplift. But I'd be uh, I'd be sticking to what the analyst consensus target is around above thirty dollars or thirty one sorry thirty one fifty, um, and probably be be getting out there realistically. So they may have another good earnings report um, and some more positivity, which might push it up. And it has pulled back um, about four bucks in the last month I think or so. Twenty fourth. 40 yeah, about that. so I think it topped out around about 28.10. Mm-hmm. So I can I can still see it going to around about the $30 above the $30 mark, but I'd be very swift to be getting out there. I think it just it just it's sideways at best, but we're at the bottom of the range for the short term. I don't want to get us too mm-hmm. off track, but you did mention reporting season there. So what's your strategy leading into reporting season? now just around the corner hard to believe yeah it's aging me but um you know do you just sort of hold off on making any big moves like do you look to trade reporting season or do you just wait with the companies that you have to see how they report yeah that's what i would say um i I think you do want to be a bit you you always be wanting to run your eyes down your portfolio and think is there someone that could come out and say something negative and We've only just had the AGM season, so you can Which always Which was go negative back to in that. a lot of cases. It was, a lot of companies did reaffirm guidance. I, look, I, I actually think it's going to be a pretty good reporting season. Um, honestly, I, you know, I think a lot of businesses are still in pretty good shape. We know there's been a big sell-off in a number of share prices, but it hasn't necessarily been related to how the businesses are performing. So, um, you know, I think you want to maybe, you know, if a company was unwilling to give guidance in AGM, at, at its AGM, you might be a bit more wary leading into mm-hmm. February. But if they did, and you know, that's getting close to Christmas and close to the end of the half, um, I think you should be pretty confident, you know, of holding them. There's still a few individual picks out there that have, you know, beaten down on a, you know, on a looming recession while the rest of the market's ignoring it. So Nine Entertainment's one of those. It usually um, is pretty undervalued leading in. Uh, on a seasonal basis, um, there's a few. I mean, the, a lot of the consumer stuff's rallied in the last week and a half pretty heavily. So 
few opportunities gone there overall. Um, but yeah, there, there'll be bits and pieces. I'm not. It's going to be a little bit difficult. I, I'm, I'm not willing. We've got BHP coming up, um, so we'll, I'll leave it till there. But the um, where you where you're normally getting your big dividends, um, a lot of those stocks are getting pretty expensive. So it's it's going to be a little bit more difficult than usual. So. Um, so yeah, but I think there's still laggards out there that are going to perform better, that have just, you know, that are still haven't caught any of this rally on the way back up. All right. Well, look, we will talk BHP, but before we get there, uh, we will talk Qantas. And this is for Matt. So Qantas reopening, everybody dying to get out and I guess go a little bit further than Bellingen if they're taking a flight. But, um, you know, at a really bumper end to 2022, can the momentum continue? Uh, I'm going to go sell on Qantas. Um, You're loving the sells today. I am, I, like I this. am. I'm uh, turning into a contrarian, which is not like me. <laughs> but um, I just think last year was like the perfect storm yeah. in a good way for them. And... Um, you know, we've all heard about these incredible prices that we've had to pay for airfares. Um, everyone paid them because there was just that need to urge to travel, to see people we hadn't seen for a long time, etc. Competition was taken out of the market. That is about to come back. Cafe Pacific was a major carry out of Australia before COVID. No one wanted to fly through Hong Kong. The China airlines were really gaining share here, China Southern, etc. Um, so we're about to get you know, a proper wind up this year, not, you know, in the next few months of, of competition. And, you know, I just sort of wonder if bizarrely this, that year was kind of just a one off for them. Um, I don't think there's a lot of downside, you know, in, in terms of where it's going to go to. It's got net cash on the balance sheet. It looks seriously cheap. It's on seven times earnings, but it's very cyclical, you know, and the other thing's the oil price. You know, the oil mm. price fell during the year, bizarrely, which everyone thought would go up. Um, so that's been good for them as well. Yeah. So it's back to that airlines are difficult businesses and, and at and any get, time. You get these periods where everything goes in a business, these cyclical businesses favour and you get periods where everything's mm-hmm. against you. And you, you, you kind of got to, with cyclicals, you want to try and buy businesses when, you know, it was a 2020 story you wanted to buy Qantas. It's not today. Yeah, we were along this one sort of from the middle of the year. We're sort of out now. Those clients who uh, have wanted to keep it, um, we've basically recommended a pairs trade with buying the um, the oil ETF um, because obviously, yeah, prices go up, their margins are going to go down, and on top of that, competition is going to come back. But if um, if you're not willing to probably hold that oil. Um, exposure as well, I'd say it's a sell. Um, it's always been a really tough business and. And I think people now, they've gone and seen who they need to see. Um, I think a much better um, alternative in this space is corporate travel. Um, they're still lagging. Business travel's been lagging um, and is starting to pick back up. But they made some really smart acquisitions over that COVID period. And basically, if business travel gets back to the same levels it was in 2019, their business will be effectively 75% larger. So, And they're trading at... Um, Know, they've rallied probably 10% in the last month, but they're, um, I think what we'll find at earnings season, this would be one of the earnings season um, picks as well that we're looking at, is um, I think they'll report quite well. Uh, Webjet and Qantas have had that, that rosy patch with the, with the earnings, and they're sort of trading at the top of the range, which 
corporate travels, you know, really only about a dollar or dollar fifty from the bottom of the range, and has you know, and probably about four dollars upside. So. Um, I think that's where, if you want to be involved in this sector, that's probably where the smart money is going to be. Um, these guys, I think, from this point, can only probably disappoint. Thank you. All right, Mark, you were chomping. Oh, we've got to wait till after the <laughs> review to talk BHP. I was going to say you were chomping at the bit. We'll make you wait a little bit longer. So let's get to the stock of the day, which was MA Financial. It was a beaten down company last year, but it is a buy for both of my expert guests, partly on valuation. Also, Ben says there's great management, um, although Mark does say there's no need to get too excited necessarily today. If we have a few more down days or we run into a bit more market volatility, you could be able to keep a bit of powder dry on this one. Okay, so Whitehaven Coal, it is a hold for Ben. He's got lots of questions. He doesn't exactly know when coal prices were normalized, knowing that they will do so at some point, but you know, you are currently sitting pretty in terms of um, buybacks and dividends. It's a buy though for Mark, but he says you can buy on the dip. Um, he just, you know, he'd be happy holding it, but he's erring, he says, to a buy. Woodside Energy, it is a buy. Uh, sorry, Woodside is not a buy. The triple O ETF is yeah. a buy if you'd like exposure to the oil story, if you're a believer in that narrative, which I should say he is. Um, so that would be how he'd prefer to play the energy sector, and it's a sell. This is where we get into Ben's sells. He just doesn't, uh, it doesn't trust that the company will remain really conservative when it comes to capex spending, and then oil, of course, is the X factor. He would be selling Worley as well, based on valuation. Again, it's pretty expensive for this kind of a business, particularly on thin margins, and as we do you know, have a potential global recession looming. Um, for Mark, he thinks that you can get it cheaper at some stage. He'd be holding it though, correct? Uh, no, I'd be, yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd, I'd be selling okay, it. I think you'd get it cheaper. Two sales. There you go, Jack. Mark that one down. Computer share, it's a hold for both of my guests. Uh, ben reckons that bond yields have topped out. He would be holding it for the dividend. Um, that's not why Mark would hold it. He does see that it has the potential to hit the consensus price target of about $31.50. And you just heard it. Ben and Mark would be selling Qantas as well after a perfect 2022. Ben just doesn't see a lot more upside in 2023, nor does Mark. He reckons it could disappoint. All right, there you go. Lots of opinion there. Uh, let's get across the portfolio. Um, look, I don't think we need to review it each and every day. You can find it, that episode at osbiz.com.au. This is what it looks at. I think I'll point out today that it had about 10% cash close to it. And since the beginning of March 2022, uh, the portfolio is up by close to 8% on a cumulative return basis. So when you send your requests in, we put it to this program. If both companies are buy, we put it to the investment committee. And of course, we've had a few super buys over this month as well, uh, which meant that it didn't even have to get consensus of both the guests. But um, there you go. There's a look at the portfolio. Woodside there at about 3% CSL, interesting, at uh, close to 6%. Aristocrat, one of Ben's favorites in there as well. And the elders holding was increased, I know, in December as well. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website.
All right, the next half hour, we will be discussing BHP, Rio Tinto, we'll do those in tandem, Inside Tech Pivot, which did well in 2022, Brambles, BXB is the ticker code for that one, and Vicinity Center. So let's, for Albert and Mark Gardner from Macro mm. Capital, start with BHP. Dividends were a big story for these miners, the big miners, when it came mm. to you know the reports last year. So did we hit the high watermark? Is there only one way from here? I think we're, yeah, I think we're definitely sort of topping out. We've got, they are cyclical. We've got, you know, um, re, you know, fairly aggressive or super aggressive interest rate hikes coming out of the States. Yeah, the China reopening story, um, well, you know, I think the po that's pretty much priced in to this at the moment. I love BHP long term and I think the Potash project they've got going on will be, um, a big winner and uh, more diversified, you know, their revenue streams. Um, I put, we've got obviously Rio next as well, but I do prefer their their split of uh, commodities over Rio's. Um, but it, you know, on a, I think uh, its PEs, you know, very very high in terms of historically in the in, within the range. Um, it normally, it's around about the sort of five mark. I I, I just. I, I, everything has got to go right for this to maintain this price here at the moment. They're, all of the com underlying commodities are 40 to or 20 to 40 percent lower than what they were um, last year, and we've and BHP is obviously sitting here at record highs. So, and look, the dividend you can get decent um, decent yielding uh, high yielding corporate bonds around about eight and a half percent. So. This was something that you pretty much had to own when a zero interest rate environment where you know it was the only place you were going to get some pretty consistent stable yield. Now you can kind of get that in a in a fairly um, fairly safe sort of bond product. I, I wouldn't be taking the risk at the top of the range, but uh, on a long term perspective, it's usually a staple of our portfolio. Um, it's probably the first time in a few years that we've really not had any in them in the portfolio so um you don't have any bhp not at the moment no no i, I prefer I, I like the copper thematic but i'm, I'm preferring to uh, represent that with that wire etf which is is got a lower average pe overall it's global copper so but bhp ben is one of those miners that is looking at future facing metals yeah. and potash as well in the mix you've got this tailwind of the china reopening yeah. so is it too soon to sell bhp uh, yeah, I, I think it's a hold. Um, like I get what Mark's saying there, and I think there's a lot of valid points. I think everyone in 2022 was scrambling to dust off the textbooks about what to own in an inflationary environment because mm -hmm. um, it had been so long since we'd seen one, and resources just came up time after time. And I think a lot of global money has hit our market chasing that trade. Uh, so you know, does that start to unwind a bit next this year? I suspect so. But I like the copper thematic as well. I think that um, you know the copper over the next five years looks really interesting. And BHP's, I think, like nearly half of its revenue could come from copper in the next five years. Yeah, it's, it's forty-five percent yeah. or something. Um, it, uh, I think it's about twenty percent at the moment. Yeah, twenty percent of the moment. It's going to lift. Mm. Um, iron ore should hold up. You know. Uh, China is going to stimulate their economy hard for sure this year. And so I can't see the iron ore price falling um, from where it is at the moment. And I think it just keeps, you know, 6% fully franked, it's 9% if you can use those franking credits. It's pretty healthy. So a hold for me. 
Okay, that's BHP. Can I read into the answers from both of you that you would prefer BHP over Rio Tinto? Very good, because um, Rio, um, you know, doesn't have that copper exposure. Yeah. It, it really is pure play mm. iron ore, and um, I, I, and I think you know BHP. I would say has probably got better iron ore assets as well. So um, they're trading almost identical PE, almost identical yield. I'd go for BHP, but I'd still hold Rio. You would hold Rio yep. if you have it. Why? Because I think I can't see iron ore coming off. You know, like zero COVID has decimated the Chinese economy. Their property market is in the doldrums and their form coming out of these periods is they build things. They stimulate, you know, the economy hard and they're going to need a lot of iron ore to do that. Um, you know, like it's bizarre, like right before Christmas, if there was one thing that wasn't priced into the market, it was China completely coming back online with the world so soon you know like president xi got up and said the fight's going to continue to be long and hard and we will win and we'll prevail three weeks later like the country's all had COVID and the borders have reopened it's extraordinary mm. how quickly they've gone so you know the next step for the economy i'm sure is going to be stimulate and um, um you know i think iron ore well supported yeah, I yeah. Like I said, disagree. No, no. I think the risk is too high at these levels at the moment. With the you know, with the US, you know, with with rates going high, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a hiccup at some stage this year, and um, and you know, I think wage inflation is going to come home to roost as well with these tight labour markets, and there's a possibility that we see even higher interest rates, which in the middle of the year. Um, and I think you'll probably get a chance at some stage to, you know, to get these on. I mean, this, like I said, very rare for us to not have any, um, any of this, but we, we have been significantly overweight for quite a while. And at the moment, now we can get these, you know, these corporate bond yields. It's just at the top of the range. It's, the choice is just it, getting roughly the same yield without the risk is just a better, better option for us. Because I just don't think we are at the top of the range in the market. And I, I, I think... You know, it's going to be a fairly bumpy year still. There'll be, still be high volatility. You'll get another opportunity at some stage to get back into these things. Um, I think possibly, you know, in the low 40s again. There you go. Thank you. Let's get on to Inside Tech Pivot, Inside Tech Pivot. Uh, and this is for, trying to figure this out. Who is it? Tim. Tim, thanks for writing in and giving us Inside Tech Pivot. Mark, I'll start with you for this one. Um, 2022 was good. Will 2023 be better? Because I would imagine that's a reason to buy today. Yeah, I like um, Instatech. It's, um, and what, I mean, what they produce essentially is in shortage, regardless of the fact that I think roughly about 40% of it's either under sanction or not operational in the Ukraine. Um, I, they reported quite well and drifted off. The agricultural stocks are really out of favour at the moment, even though they're doing quite, uh, they're doing quite well. Um, elders, for instance, I think, we're, we, I think they added uh, more to elders on the um, investment committee, mm -hmm. so, which I totally agree with. Um, they're looking at splitting up the business, uh, which, should, um, which should do well so they can individually focus um, on the explosives or the fertiliser part. But I mean, you look at BH, BHP's got a fantastic long-term plan and look, they've, they've you know, seen a, um, yeah, enough upside in, in fertiliser to go and develop 9,000 square kilometres and spend $5 billion developing an asset, um, which is you know, not really in their wheelhouse necessarily. So I, you know, there's smart people um, obviously going into, the, you know, going into this area and these guys are established. There's, we, 
we're overpopulated and um, and around the globe, and we're going to need more and more and more fertilizer as time goes on. So, um, yeah, I, I think these guys are are a buy, and I. I can't really understand why they're down here, to be honest, at the moment, um, particularly after you know, a relatively decent um, outlook as well at the last uh, at, at the last reporting. Okay, so in Satek Pivot, is this one that you guys are going to agree on? Because I would imagine with this split, which has been delayed, yes, it's a potential catalyst, but you've got to trust in management that they're going to be able to do it well. Yeah, you are. Um, I think the fertilizer price has come off. A guy at work told me today, um, so maybe that's the reason the share price has mm. been a bit weak. But I agree. Like, I, it looks cheap. You know, there's, um, for all the talk of our market being expensive, if you strip out the property stock vicinity, nine of the, the uh, nine other stocks, six are trading on a P of 11 or less. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's quite okay, amazing. Good point. Um, Incitec's trading on eight times current earnings and a yield of 6% fully franked. I'd normally be a bit wary at the moment because of the it's such a cyclical business. So they... A year ago, they earned $140 million in profit, and this year they're forecasting $1 billion of profit. That's extraordinary, but mm. it can so easily be back at 140. We've seen it so many times. But um, I think the reason I'm keen on it is they've been approached apparently from multiple parties. You know, they've got the split happening, they're making ways, and then they've had a lot of approaches to sell the, um, this big Louisiana plant, ammonia plant. Um, you know, they're talking multi-billion dollar price tag potentially. Um, that could all come back to shareholders. Mm. Um, and that's why this, this split has been delayed. They're doing a $400 million market buyback. Um, yeah, the fertilizer price is weak, but that's probably even a better reason because it, is, it does move up and down. Um, so I'll go buy as well. Double buy, going to the investment committee. You can do more research on that one before yeah, you sorry, meet again. It's in there. I is think. it in there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The fertilizer price, interestingly, it's a US-based one, and they're obviously in drought at the moment. So yeah. that's that's probably why that price is down. So once we see a reversal of La Nina, El Nino, mm. um, I think you'll probably see that price head back up again. And there there is a massive supply gap for ammonia um, coming, well, existing and then coming up. So obviously, if you know they drop the sanctions um, or Ukraine starts getting things back online then yeah. that changes the that, equation that's, that's but, a risk that's but that's sure. yeah that, that that's a risk to this but it just doesn't it doesn't seem to uh, want to end at this stage for at least six to twelve months i wouldn't have thought all right well uh, i was just kind of checking the website to see when their upcoming report is and i yeah, yeah I, I think don't they report in November. Yeah, yeah they're, they're out, out of cycle. cycle. That's yeah. right, because they've got their AGM coming up on the 16th yeah. of February. So it'll be interesting to hear the commentary coming from the company there. But a double buy, currently trading at about $3.79, Tim. All right, let's get to the next on the list. This is for Matt Brambles. Um, ben, Brambles, would you be buying, holding, or selling now for 2023? I think it's a hold. Definitely not a buy. Um, Probably a week hold from me. I mean, at 18 times earnings, you're paying 3% fully frank yield. Brambles to me has been a business which has really kind of under delivered for years. Like you go, mm. you know, like the share price has gone nowhere for years, mm -hmm. but there's been periods where it's been good to own it and there's been periods where it's good to get out of it. Um, the thing that will worry me with Brambles is I think we're going to see a lot of inventory destocking amongst retailers. Yeah, if you're talking year. about the consumer and exposure it's to the gotta be. retail Plus, sector. You know, last year, no one knew if they could get stuff like all the retailers. Mm -hmm. So they were holding on to more inventory than normal because they wanted to make sure they could sell things if they got an order for it. 
that's normalised. Supply chains are normalising. So that's, you know, and you've got like the lumber price and the pallet price swings around and that really messes around with their earnings. It's a hard business, um, but it looks reasonably priced. They just reaffirmed guidance at their AGM, 10% odd sales growth. So that looks okay in this environment. Um, so I'll go hold. Hold. Would you be holding? It's a weak hold for Ben. Do you feel more enthusiastic about Brambles? No, no, the opposite. So um, I think if you go back to that five-year chart, I think is a really good example. Um, over that five-year period, it just trades the range. Mm. And we are roughly towards the top end of the range. So you don't... It's, it's, not a, it's not a good stock historically to be buying for a breakout. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I almost fell asleep <laughs> um, researching this one. It's not a particularly Some exciting Some say business. boring is beautiful when you're potentially heading into a recession in the US in particular, but yeah, not but, everyone. But they're obviously tied to, you know, consumer as yeah. well. So there's, a, there's an element of cyclical there. Um, I'm... I, yeah, if you are interested in it, I think you'll get it. Def, you'll definitely get it lower at some stage this year. I'd be selling it here at the top of the range. Um, and as I said before, have a have a look at that long term chart, and you know you'll you'll sort of see why it's not the sort of thing that does uh, that does a as Carl Coupling was a bottom left, top right. It just it's just sideways. So hasn't changed your mind to a sell? No, I'll stick it <laughs> a hold. I, I think in this environment, like. You know, the market likes this Amcor, these sort of businesses, yeah. you know, that's where the thinking is. That might change, of course, during the year, but um, I don't know. And, and everything I've just said is well known. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. uh, we all know there's going to be inventory destocking. That's in the price, you know, so um, 10% revenue growth and 10% profit growth is still pretty solid. Got it. All right, let's get to vis- vicinity centres. Vicinity centers up by close to 20% over 2022. There's the yearly chart and it looked like it was a pretty even keel sort of ride up there for the most part, except for the peak that you can see in the chart, July, August time. Uh, So vicinity centers, um, what will happen now, of course, um, it's got some of those regional, um, you know, centers. It's uh, it's the kind of centers that you would go to every day. Perhaps have one in Bellingen. Um, <laughs> not for three thousand people. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> clearly, I've not been. Uh, and for anybody who's not in the know, Bellingen has just been become this, you know, often talked about, much visited little place in uh, northern New South Wales. I'm correct, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mark joined us from Bellingen a couple of weeks ago. I did, yes. Yeah, beautiful part of the world we hear, I hear. So, vicinity centres, would you be um, buying, holding, or would you be selling today after that 20% gain last year? Uh, I'd be probably selling. I think there's better opportunities in the rate space, particularly industrials, um, if you're going to, if you want to be there. And, um, and retail and probably residential are probably our two least favoured, I, I suppose. The, um, a lot of these REITs are trading at you know, discounts to NTA at the moment. This one's actually not that bad. It's about a 16% discount. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got things like um, you know, Goodman, Goodman's CIP, but, um, CIP particularly, you know, it's about a 32% discount. And there's, there's a lack of actually supply of decent industrial, a lot of manufacturing, well, not a lot, but a good chunk of manufacturing came back to Australia um, due to COVID. And, um, and it's sort of has remained, and there's um, there's a supply gap. I think there's uh, three million square meters in demand over the next three five years, and there's only plans for one million square meters to be built. And where these you know where these guys have their properties is you know even even adds that premium again. So 
I, I think there's better opportunities in the space and that's as close as I've seen in the REIT sector to, to trading at NTA. Um, so it, it probably is fairly expensive relative to the rest of the sector. So yeah, be a sell. Do you be selling and then reinvesting that in the REIT space? Or is that sort of a sector to to put to one side for 2023? I, I think uh, same as industrials, um, I, I'd be looking more second half of the year. Um, but yeah, you know there is high quality. There is high quality rates out there. It just depends on your investment time frame, I suppose. Um, I mean, when they do, when they do flip, they'll flip pretty quickly. Um, and because I think CIP historically trades on a ten percent premium to NTA, and it's obviously at a thirty odd percent discount. So you know, it, but it's all going to depend on the revaluation of their properties, um, which is probably not going to go great for the next six months. So um, even though their debt levels are fine and they're and they're very well hedged and and well structured um, and they've got long whales I think the market will still you know will still sell them off um, if property prices pull back a little bit so so yeah and this one as I said is trading extraordinarily close to its to its NTA so it, it's definitely on the high side um, of the range I would have thought so and yeah again going back to those corporate bonds I mean if you can get in, if you can get that yield at the moment low risk I mean no you're going to have to have a really impressive investment case to risk your money, mm-hmm. particularly after what we had to go through last year. Is this one that you would risk your well, your clients' money on, really, Ben? Uh, I'll be a bit more positive on it. I agree with a lot of what Mark said. Um, I think there are better property trusts to own in the space, but I'll go a hold. Um, you know, I think if, it's quite amazing, actually, that this stock did so well last year because mm. it's normally very interest rate sensitive. But it, if, you, if we look back at that five-year chart, that tells the picture, which is it got belted during mm-hmm. COVID because all their shopping centres were forced to close. No one knew what the future of retail looked like. Everyone was saying no one's ever going to go to a store again. They were going to just online's going to stay. And of course, you know, that's all flipped. And like if you look at their updates, their sales are now well ahead of where they were in 2019. So they've actually grown mm-hmm. them. Mm. Um, and so I don't know the details on this one, but I yeah. remember speaking with them. Um, well, it used to be called SCA, so Shopping Centres yeah, Australasia, yeah. and a lot yeah. of their rents are actually tied to inflation yeah. as well. Yep, they are. So SCA and also SCA, their main tenants are Woolies mm-hmm. and Coles, etc. These guys own, like their main asset, I think, is Chadston Shopping Centre outside Melbourne. It's huge. Um, That's quite upmarket, isn't it? Yeah, upmarket. Yeah. Then like Strand Arcade, QVB. I thought that they still had regional, though. They do have yeah, a lot okay. of regional. But, you know, regional's been the place to be. That, yeah. that boomed, you yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's still quite strong because a lot of people are still in the regions. And um, so, look, I, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of, lot of Mark saying it is getting close to NTA, and if it did get to like 230s, I would sell it. Um, but at the moment, it might keep closing that gap. And, you know, I think um, you know, there is a bit of an inflation hedge with a lot of the with a lot of the rents. Plus, they're still getting that um, yield back to the normal payout ratio, mm-hmm. which got hit during COVID. All right. Uh, just before we go, I'll squeeze it in. You know, I'm giving a lot of thought to bulls and bears as we get into 2022 because you've painted a really good story really through those big companies um, that performed. I mean, would you consider yourself pretty pretty optimistic? I am. Yeah, I'm bullish. Like, I, I, I think the inflation story is going to fizzle out quick, pretty quite rapidly this year. And, um, you know, I, I think rates have peaked. I think that's already happened. Um, Having said, you know, rates are not going to go, I don't think they're going to retrace, but I think they're going to hold. 
And you know, I'm probably more, to be honest, bullish on overseas markets than Australia, to be honest, just because there's been so much more pain there. The Nasdaq had its fourth worst year on record last year, and you know, to me, that's kind of the areas I think look interesting. But I think, you know, typically bear markets last 15 months. March is 15 months, so you know, we're getting closer to a normal historical pattern. We'll see, but I, I, I am bullish. Yeah. Are you a bear? Uh, I basically think we, we, we won't uh, breach the range from last year, this year. Um, and I think we'll probably, you know, revisit both ends of the range probably twice. It, uh, I, I think we're overly optimistic at the moment. Um, I think those rate hikes usually take six to 12 months to really bite. And then I, I think investor optimism might turn sour probably in you know, close to the middle of the year, but I think that will likely be your, your buying opportunity. I think no bear market's ever finished before a recession's begun. So I'm just still cautious. And at the moment, obviously, with, as I keep going back to, when you've got, for the first time in a very long time, you've got an opportunity to park money in fairly high yielding corporates. I think that's, I'm fairly happy to be quite overweight that while I see uh, how things wash out um, because you're getting a return. You couldn't afford to do that um, for the last decade you, because there wasn't any interest rates. So I think, yeah, with that option, I think you you know, it's you're crazy not to take that risk-free at, at the moment, particularly while we're the Australian market, I agree with Ben, we're at the top of the range. Accumulation index would be very close to record highs. Um, you know, they're great companies in there, but there's there's still a lot of what-ifs to play out here. 3.4% um, unemployment in uh, the US and tight labour market when we've seen no wage inflation yet. Wage inflation usually lags. So whether that sparks more rate hikes or not, or whether what they've done is enough um, will be the next question. But if we do start to see some wage inflation, it's going to spook markets again. And um, and I think, you know, that'll be a period where you, you can start accumulating. Um, and we, yeah, a rosier 2024 rather than 2023, I think. Okay, there you go. We've got a bull and a bear. I'm going to call it that. In the studio, <laughs> let's revisit what we've learned in that last half of the program. BHP for the bear mark is a sell, but it's a hold for Ben. He really likes the copper story. Both agree that the copper story is pretty strong going forward. Um, when we get to Rio, it is a sell for Mark. Again, he believes that there will be hiccups in the global economy and reckons that it's at the top of a range. Buy it around $40. But Ben says he just can't see iron ore coming off, particularly as China reopens and goes by the old playbook to stimulate via infrastructure spending. We've got a double buy in with Instatech Pivot. Um, look largely on valuation and the split could potentially be a catalyst as well as the sell, sale of, uh, I think it's called the Wegham. Uh, I won't go there, but it's in Louisiana, I think, and it's an ammonium. Wagama, yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right, Brambles, it's a weak hold. I'm going to let Ben get away with that one, um, but it's a sell for Mark. He just reckons you'll be able to get it cheaper. It's trading towards the top end of its range. And vicinity centers, you just heard them talk about it again. A bit of disagreement. Hold for Ben, and it's a sell for Mark. Uh, guys, that was fun. Thank you. Thanks, Ben, from Thanks. TMS Capital for coming in. Nice to see you both to nice start to 2023. Mark Gardner from Macro. And that is the program for today. Don't go anywhere, though. We've got Andrew to take you through the small caps. Uh, we've got uh, Nick Sladen uh, coming up to give you some analysis and Renew Energy expanding its investment portfolio. We'll talk to the CEO of that company next.